Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Uh, happy Friday, everyone. Rich Trubinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the rundown with Robin Rich, where we take you into the weekend by running through all the latest and greatest with the mortgage industry. Uh, and as always, pleased to be joined by my co-host, Rob Crisman. Rob, great to see you. Nice to see you too. And nice to see you the other night at the Fiesta Gala uh, of the week. That was a good party, you know? Yeah, it was a good good turnout, good venue, very non-New York-y, you know, a little Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville, pool, margaritas. So hard to find that in the concrete jungle. So uh, well done by Amy Bloor and uh, the TMC team. So, and this week, back by popular demand in the co-host seat, the president of ACC Mortgage, Robert Senko. Robert, great to see you, man. You're on mute. Uh-oh. Which gives me a good opportunity really quick. <laughs> 23 <laughs> years, 23rd anniversary for ACC. Congratulations, Robert. Uh-oh. Well, I'll take it. I'll take over, Rich, and say thank you very much on his behalf. It's been a fast 23 years and an amazingly successful 23 years for us at ACC. <laughs> that's all you got? That's, uh, that's where you run out of steam. Well, can you hear me yet? There you go. All right. You're 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 live and we can hear you. And congrats on 20, 20 not only 23 years, but 23 years of doing one product, non-QM. And I tell everybody to listen and people know uh, I am not a shill. I will not bring people on this show that I do not 100 percent believe in what they're doing. And uh, we looked long and hard for a non-QM lender. Spent Why am I years here? doing it. What am uh, I doing here if that's your policy? One ex- the one exception to the rule. But uh, uh, that's all you've been doing for 23 years, Robert, and doing a great job at it. So congrats on the anniversary. So it's all I'm qualified for. <laughs> <laughs> Little echo you got there. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and get into it. And great to have Robert on this week because this week at MBA Secondary, you know, there's so much going on right now in the industry. I, I've been in the industry longer than I'd like to admit. And, uh, you know, always seems like there's a lot going on, but I would legitimately say between the rate climate and the government's role in mortgage and just two record years in a row, followed by this business climate and just the regulatory and cyber, there's so more, I can't ever remember this much going on. It's just crazy what leaders are tasked with managing right now. And, uh, Rob, I mean, I think the theme of the week to me, though, was product. People are starving for product right now. And the secondary market is either soft for a lot of what they need or, you know, the takeouts are less than excellent in in other instances. Absolutely. Let's see if Robert has his uh, sound fixed. No. Robert, can you hear us? I can hear you now. Uh oh, uh oh, Robert, we've we've got the uh, Lou Gehrig uh, happiest day of my life speech in Yankee <laughs> Stadium echo going, where you know it's like today, 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 today. I consider myself yes. the luckiest man. There you go. There's no echo now. There we All go. All right, good, good. So, Robert, you must have been a busy fellow. ACC must have been a, a busy company there in Manhattan. What what? Uh, Besides, you know, it, it was 
it was like a family reunion of sorts. You know, there was hugs, there was tears, there was people you didn't want to see and avoid. There was a lot of different emotion uh, from this after a few it years. Sounds, sounds like me walking down the hall there, but go on, <laughs> go on. <laughs> uh you know, it's interesting you say that about products, Rich. There is a lot of demand, but it's like people looking for a, that silver bullet to try to solve these problems. And they think, gee, we're just going to migrate over into non-QM. And I think it's a little wishful thinking that the market, we said this, I think, in the last uh, time I was on, probably six, eight weeks ago, that the market is pretty solid in the non-QM. Everything has changed and there's less of the conventional, but we're in a good place, maybe on the margins, but people are hoping there's going to be some miracle cure and some miracle that business is going to fly through the roof. I think we're just going to get back to a normal purchase market. And that's what we're based off of. I you know, I get that question on every panel, every meeting. What do you have in the hopper? What's coming down the pike? And unless we get rid of ATR and start changing those rules, I, I don't see much uh, improvement. I think you will see um, an arm market once the uh, capital markets level out. But right now, the delta between those isn't great. Uh you know, there's just so much to do, even with what we're doing. We're having record months, month after month, and we're growing. And I'm sure my competitors are the same way. So the products we have are great. Uh, it's just more people are now paying attention to us that wouldn't otherwise because they were focused on the low rate environment. So I don't see wild improvement. Only on the margins do I see some changes. Yeah, great points. And Rob, I think Robert makes a great point. I think what I heard is a lot of lenders asking for things that aren't realistic, you know, like five one arms with the three and a half handle and 360 day rate locks and, you know, easy to facilitate construction, the permanent programs and like, you know, normal home equity loans in the secondary market. These things have never existed in the mortgage industry. The arm market is one that could come around, but the climate for arms is, is just bad. We've talked about this before. Like who's going to pay 103? for a five one arm with a 4% handle in, in this kind of volatile rate of rate environment with that average prepay life predicted. No one. <laughs> right. If you next do question, know that, please question. point them out my way. <laughs> now I, I, Rich, you and I've talked about it so much on this show. So I'm going to, at the risk of repeating myself here a little bit, you know, at some rate and some price, a lender will lend and a borrower will borrow. And right now, until I mean, you're spot on right now, until things settle down a little bit and things are settling down a little bit, you know, every, every day that goes by every week that goes by every month that goes by, obviously in March and April, we saw rates shoot up and may, you know, may to its credit, we've been taking a breather. So we've almost had a full month of, quote, waiting for things to stabilize. And I think they have stabilized. And now the talk is, gosh, if, if the Fed continues to raise rates as they are expected to, to do, what will that do to 30-year fixed rate loans or 15-year fixed rate loans? And all the smartest and brightest in the room seem to think that we've kind of capped out at, these, uh, at the 5% range on 30 year fixed rate loans. And so 
if the Fed is going to do that, it'll be interesting to see how high short-term rates go relative to long-term rates. And, you know, about a month or two ago, I forget when, when all the, uh, once again, the, the smartest folks in the room were, were yelling about the inverted yield curve and how the recession was imminent. And, you know, the yield curve stopped being inverted and steepened back out and it may invert again. And so what? The, the, the recession, which I, I, cont- I just shake my head, I can't see the recession. And when I, and I, I know I've said this before, but you go out to dinner, you go to a clothing store, you go to an airport or an airport parking lot, or, or you walk down the street. I mean, the economy is bustling. And to have two quarters of negative GDP, yeah, we will eventually. But when you look at the estimates of when this next, quote, recession is going to occur, they're talking 2023, 2024. And, and these are people who continue to get it wrong. So, you know, the, the economy's, economy's doing well. Unemployment is incredibly low. And inflation is a problem. And I think to Robert's point, you know, there are some great programs out there that lenders are, are looking at. And I continue to hear conversations about non-warrantable condos, conversations about co-op lending, conversations about you know, ARM programs, um, you know, first-time homebuyer programs, you know, affordable housing and so forth. And so the the environment that we've been in for a couple of years where loans were literally falling out of the sky and all you had to do was catch them with a basket and, and turn them over to your processor. Yeah, those days are gone. The deals are much harder and, and loan officers are having to go out and hunt for deals and every deal is hard. And the the lenders that are out there and the originators are out there aren't necessarily seeing all Fannie, Freddie, FHA, VA. And so they are looking at down payment assistance programs, housing finance authority programs, and non-QM programs, and so forth and so on, and and rightly so, and right as as they should. So I think we're just seeing you know a natural evolution of our, or I shouldn't say evolution, just a natural business cycle that that we're going through that we've been through before, and hopefully we maintain our wits about us in terms of underwriting and ability to repay and you know. I, I continue to get questions about stated, stated. When are, when are the stated programs coming back, Rob? Well, you know, let's, let's kind of hope they don't. <laughs> you know, we've got, we've got trillions of dollars of outstanding mortgages out there that Robert can attest to that are, that are really great credit quality borrowers and with lots of equity. And what a great place for our industry to be in. So and ACC is in a very good position to take advantage of the rest of the year and the year going uh, 2023. So hats off to you, Robert. I'm start to I see appreciate you. that. Oh, go ahead, Robert. <clears throat> now, I was just going to say you you echo a lot of the same sentiments and it's not like we, we prep beforehand. You know, this comes back to good old fashioned lending, originating, processing, packaging. There, there's no nothing fancy about it. And people that have got good referral sources, realtors, they're, they've got more options and they're going to be more important. They know how to handle that transaction. The, the companies that got, you know, fat off of the refi market, great for them. I hope they saved their pennies. Um, but now it's back to business as usual. That's uh, um, to me, like I said, the range of emotions. They're, Non-QM lenders are ecstatic. 
more companies are trying to get into that and trying to learn that. And then there's people that are walking around like it's a funeral, like it's, you know, in the darkest days. So depending on your perspective and, you know, uh, we're certainly not the brain trust of the mortgage industry, but we've seen enough of these cycles. It's just now back to normal work. And I think that's exciting that it really creates, you know, a level playing field and quality people at every level from the originators on up to the executives, the good ones will survive and thrive during these next several years. Robert, uh, the Biden administration put out a 19 page plan while we were in New York and maybe somebody from TMC, I wrote a little synopsis up, like making it from 19 pages to like one, just with the most important stuff. And uh, you know, like my entire college career there, Rich. I read it twice. Actually, it was uh, excruciating. But uh, the one of the things that came up, a a new acronym for the industry of acronyms. And evidently, this one's been around a while. We used to do these loans as what we called blanket loans back in my banking days where you, you know, multiple uh, homes on the same property. But ADUs, accessory dwelling units, uh, you know, backyard homes, in-law suites, garage apartments, and the government thinks, and I, you know, it actually makes a little bit of sense. I think it's not going to be a needle mover, but you know, one of the things you always hear about in America is Americans have too much land, too much property. The houses are too big, um, and you know, and the government evidently thinks we can build millions of these ADUs on on the land of existing homes, and they're gonna they're gonna you know have it through Fannie and Freddie able to buy them. Were ADUs? Did you do any of that at ACC as like non QM? Uh, it's so funny you say that. We, we've done a, n- a number of these because y- y- you look at, you know, non-QM fundamentally is based off of skin in the game, right? They're putting down 20, 25, 30% in some cases. So having these, when you look at the fundamentals of a home, that's how you value it. If you've got this garage apartment, this separate unit, um, to me, that enhances the value. You don't assign any value per se to it, but until you can find like comp, like kind comps, but you're seeing more and more of it, particularly in California. Uh, I was just talking to a, a business associate of mine who's redecorating the apartment above his garage, much bigger home than mine. I think he's got a six car garage, but putting new flooring for guests, for you know, friends, family, in-laws, and growing that, he doesn't need, you know, it's a 10,000 square foot home, but updating that. So literally just had that conversation today. So you're seeing more and more of that utilization, density of homes and valuing that. Um, and it also dovetails into a little bit of the ITIN lending. You have a lot of families and generations living in the same home. So being able to, you know, provide those and not scorn and contempt those type of homes I think is good for families and, you know, to have stable, safe housing. So it's a great, great aspect. And I'm glad to see that they put a, shined a little spotlight on it. Yeah. It's a creative solution. All all these, you know, years now, this show talking about like solutions to the housing supply. Again, it's not like a, you know, the answer, the single answer, but I like it, you know, it's a, it's a creative solution. And 
the more we can funnel through Fannie and Freddie. And if you are a lender without your Fannie Freddie ticket, immediately go get it because at a very minimum, they're going to, there's going to be some new product and some new opportunity that's going to be tougher to get through the aggregators for all the obvious reasons. So, uh, Rob, the Biden administration housing plan, uh, you know, the government, uh, you know, uh, slush money for people that rezone to allow more density. They're going to start handing out money for that. Um, they're going to get into manufactured housing, the ADU thing, um, you know, a lot of other stuff in there related to builders. They're, they're allegedly going to free up the supply line issues for the builders. I didn't see any detail uh, how they're going to do that. But uh, <laughs> any other thoughts in the, the Biden uh, housing supply uh, plan that I'm sure you read at least a couple times as well? No thoughts. Next question. <laughs> no, I... I uh... I, I say, Rich, I'm I'm getting old. I get I'm getting more curmudgeonly, and I I get more as I as I age. I get more skeptical when a when any any politician, whether it's the president of the United States or a, a you know a 98 year old senator or or you know some a locally local assembly. Well, we'll come back to that. But they they have these grandiose you know, campaign, you know, ahead of the midterms, ahead of the presidential elections, they, they talk about housing and they forget that, that housing is made up of millions of moving parts, whether they are builders or realtors or lenders or local towns, local counties, states, regulators, you know, some, some guy in the zoning department who, you know, you don't, you don't, you know, you, you, you tick, you tick, you tick her off and uh, you don't, you know, you don't get an ADU uh, permit for, you know, uh, you know, nine years or whatever it might be. There's so many moving parts that when the government makes these proclamations and I understand their heart is in the right place, but, you know, once again, I'm going to, I'm putting on my, my curmudgeon hat here. You look at Northern California or places like Nevada or Arizona, there are other you don't just wave your magic wand and create more houses. What about water? What about traffic? That's our. What are you going to? Uh, you going to double the density of uh, the surrounding the in Atlanta or Chicago? Think of the traffic. Think of think of the uh, mass transit uh, that that goes on in some of these areas, or the lack of mass transit. And you're gonna you're gonna add an ADU onto the backyard of of suburbia. What is that going to do to the demand on electricity, the demand on water, the demand on, on food. So I just, you know, I, I'm skeptical and I chuckle and I, I wish them the best. But if I'm a lender, if I'm ACC, for example, you know, the, the idea is to almost take one day at a time, one loan at a time to try to help borrowers, try to work with borrowers in, in achieving the dream of home ownership and really adding I mean, yeah, there's 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 some great ideas out there, but once again, translating them into into the town or community or county, you know, I don't want. Well, I, I live in a in a transitional area anyway, but you know, I don't want I don't want eighty affordable units next door to my house. Heck, you know, I've saved up my money. I buy this house, and and suddenly they they're going to put in eighty affordable units up the street. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rally against that. So it's fine for the administration to put out 19 pages of mind-numbing jargon and, and theories and, and 
you know, suggestions and so forth. But, you know, as I've said before, most builders don't even know how to spell affordable, much less, you know, come up with, with programs to, to do that. So, and, and while I'm, while I'm ranting here, yelling into the wind, sorry, Robert, this is, I know this, I want to talk more about ACC in a second, but really the, uh, the, the financial incentives for people to do that, they really, there has to be a big carrot and you enter into a discussion about how far to the left or how far progressive, or I don't even know the term, but how much do you want government to interfere with, you know, the, the, the free markets and the price of lumber and the price of labor and the price of land and the price of everything it's really a, a really complicated issue. So once again, going back to what I was originally saying, you can talk about, okay, this plan is going to do that and so forth. And that's great. You know, more power to them. But by the time you get that to translate to a lender or a vendor and what does it mean to them, I just don't see that. So once again, we come back to a situation where the, the loan officers that I talk to every day and the owners and so forth and the small lenders they're just trying to help their borrowers uh, get a home. And whether that's Fannie Freddie, or in this case, you know, ACC and the non-QM product, I mean, I think ACC has done a magnificent job of, of seeing the needs that are out there and reacting to them and, and offering products that loan officers need one way or the other. So once again, you know, that's, that's a very, very good place to be. This well, is the rundown tailing isn't what CRA in 1994 under Clinton was trying to get more home ownership as a percentage of the population and ultimately that's what caused the 0708 meltdown well-intentioned people deserve homes and we, there was you know building communities very very well-intentioned and we know how that played out so it's hard to trust anything from a government trying to you know fix the free market or you know uh instill this. So I, I echo your sentiment, Rob. Sorry to cut you off, Rich. No, we can cut off Rich anytime we want, Robert. That's, that's, oh. I think that's... Uh, oh, used to it. Hey, yeah, it's, it what? doesn't bother me at all. <clears throat> but I'm not done yet, Rich. Hold on. Uh, so, I mean, to, to continue with that thought, yeah, I, I'd forgotten about that, Robert. That's a great point. Anytime you set up home ownership goals, every originator on this call, every originator around the nation will tell you that that is a mistake that not everybody, A, not everybody wants to own a home. And even those that want to own a home, not everybody can, not everybody qualifies. And, and so that's where loan officers come in and make those decisions and, and work with borrowers who may not qualify this month, but hey, in six months, we're gonna do this and that to your credit and work. And here's a great you know credit repair or whatever it is, or you know, pay off that washing machine. That's where individual loan officers really show their talent versus say internet lenders because originators are out there helping borrowers and coaching them and becoming their financial partners as it were and getting them eventually to qualify. But just to, just to slap some kind of pie in the sky, oh, let's, you know, let, let's, we want 80% home ownership. No, we don't. We don't want that. So, all right, Rich, what were you going to say 20 minutes ago? <laughs> it, not, I forgot, actually. So, no, yeah, no, but you're right. I mean, historically, anytime 
the home ownership rate in America has gotten up near 75%. It's been disaster has followed. And you could tell though, in listening to Sandra Thompson speak, you she's very smart. I, I have a lot of confidence in her and uh, you could tell like her comments have been, you could tell that is weighing on her that, that she is battling right now. The wanting to use Fannie and Freddie to achieve more of what they want with housing in America while at the same time, you know, being very cognizant to credit risk. So uh, we'll see how they walk that line. It's a very, it's a very delicate line to walk for sure. So this is the rundown with Robin Rich. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, joined as always by Rob Crisman. And this week in the co-host seat, the president of ACC Mortgage, celebrating their 23rd year of doing nothing but non-QM. If you're looking for a good outlet for that business, somebody that a company that's been doing that and only that and doesn't pull rate sheets and, you know, pull out of the market. It's, it's very old, reliable and uh, good references from our members are what led us to Robert and ACC. But Robert, you know, I think, and uh, we, the chat and the Q and A, obviously, if anybody has any questions or comments, please feel free to pump them in there and have a couple in there about buy downs and, you know, kind of the commenter is mentioning that, man, you're not even talking about the best kind of alt product right now, which is a buy-down loan. And they are great loans. I would agree. I, I did a lot of that lending in my past, 2-1 buy-downs, 3-2-1 buy-downs. I think the broader point though, uh, lenders and loan originators, they're looking to have every uh, arrow in their quiver right now. You don't want to have in this kind of purchase only climate where volume is down and competition is very high. You don't want to be able to say, no for anything. And I heard a lot of that this week, Robert. I'm sure you did as well. Yeah, I mean, lots to unpack there. You know, the market is flighty in that loan, the, the bond market has moved so quickly and so rapidly that the securitization markets really couldn't keep up. And a lot of, you know, my competition and folks got caught off sides. They didn't hedge properly. They didn't lock properly. They didn't commit. And when it came time to come to market, the market wasn't as demanding for those yields. So it's very hard, you know, in the non-Q on that first quarter for all of us. So, you know, the 2-1 buy-down is great. That's why I bought my first home was with a 2-1 buy-down. Um, so that's a great idea. The, the challenge is the no one knows where the top is, you know, or bottom, however you want to look at it. So, you know, the 30-year fix feels right, feels stable, like they're not going to get caught off sides and, you know, artificially moving. If rates go to, you know, fanny rates go to six, seven, well, what does that mean for non-QM? Normally 200 basis points, but, you know, nine, 10, you know, how, how rapid does this, you know, you know, can we pull back from the the inflation? I think the Fed absolutely wants to take all the steam out of it, as Rob touched on before. I, I, the job market's strong. The restaurants are strong. I mean, there's a lot of demand. So we sit there. If you stare at your 401k, you're going to feel depressed. But by and large, you look around. There's tons of cars on the road. It'll be interesting to see as we go this summer, next week's Memorial Day, you know, people in the beach communities, how crowded they will be and how the summer is going to shape up. So, you know, to the products going to that, 
I think it's just hitting it down the middle, being safe and secure. They're going to be paying much because, you know, the, the challenge with non-QM has always been the runoff, the prepays. Like, and, you know, where 30 are fixed, you know, all that paper is going to stick on these MSRs for a long time at the, the 3% rate. So they're going to be sticky. Non-QM, you hope to use as not a bridge financing per se, but for the self-employed people who are non-traditional financing at ACC, their tax returns, they make money and then they can go to their banks and go to the traditional lenders. So that's always the goal. So to offer the, I don't want to say exotic because two one buy down is not exotic, but these different lenders, you know, the bondholders, they need to make their yield and recoup their funds to, to you know, companies originate. So again, I, I don't see these silver bullets out there. I, I, the products are strong, it gives a lot of leverage and ability for people to buy homes. Um, I, I feel good with where we're sitting today, but again, the non-traditional guys don't. Rob? I have a question, question that I'm asked often, and perhaps I'd like to, I, well, I would like to hear your answer. So the, the programs, the non-QM programs that ACC offers, are those driven by A, your, your creative mind, B, from your clients saying, wouldn't it be nice if we had this, or C, the investors that you sell to saying, why don't you offer this? We have an appetite for it. Uh, it's really more of A and B. We, through experience, have designed our programs, our guidelines, what has worked. Uh, I'm not saying we haven't stolen some good ideas from other, you know, the, the uh, mortgage industry is very much a copycat industry. So you try to steal best practices. Um, so it's kind of an amalgam. And it's also my 30 plus years of what fundamentally works, um, you know, at, you know, your lower LTV, 65, 70, 75. I don't want to call it hard money. There's not a lot of pain points or struggles. When you start getting 80, 85, 90, uh, you, it, the market tightens up a little bit. So you try to find gaps. You try to make it streamlined. And I think that's been part of our success in stealing some best practices combined with our 23 years of history and presenting to the marketplace. And we have a lot of data, you know, to prove that these loans perform has been our success. So it's really doing that. I, I did speak to one MI company that's trying to roll out a non-QM suite of products. There was nothing, you know, it was comp, it, it looked like an MIT grad created this spreadsheet and pricing matrix. I was like, I got a headache looking at it. And, you know, and I look at these things, the only thing there is a 95% product with 12 months reserve and so on and so on. It, it, it wasn't exciting to me. There was nothing and it was more confusing where I think my, our success is we've broken it down as simple as possible. And I think that's been part of our success is trying to make it digestible to the average LO because a lot of them still don't understand non-QM. They're still intimidated uh, by it. But in terms of the creation, it's really a combo of the market. Nobody's coming to me 
And I, I'd like to think they'd call me and say, hey, we know about ACC. We got this great product. Can you promote it for us and put it out there? It's really, they come to me and say, what do you have? What, what are you seeing? What, what would you like to do? Um, which is kind of surprising. They're trying to find that silver bullet as well. And I don't, I don't see it. I, I, I like where we're at. I could do this for the next several years. I think it's a great balance to the Fannie and Freddie markets out there. And as a percentage, non-QM should grow, but the overall mortgage market's going to shrink compared to the last couple of years. And, and right. I think that's, like I said, I think that's normal and healthy. Yeah, I, I, there are some questions or comments uh, that we received and I, I, will, I will make the point and I always do that, that the originators and AEs that are out there oftentimes are best served by learning about the technology that their company already offers in terms of, oh, we got to get this, you know, the, the, the squirrel, you know, bright, shiny object. We need, we need that LOS. We need this. We need that. And their company already offers it. But along what you're talking about, the product, the products that are out there, whether they're arms or buy downs or, or non-QM, whatever it might be, many lenders already offer that. And as I said earlier, it's not as if these loans are falling out of the sky and just hold out your hold out your basket and you, you gather them. You have to go out and, and find these loans and help these borrowers and be very familiar, become subject matter experts to the to the products that your your company offers. And so your company may offer some really neat products already and the ability to sell those or, or no, I shouldn't say sell, but know what applies to your borrowers is a skill that experienced LOs have. And people who have been in the industry a short period of time when, when things are great and it's easy, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, now they're actually having to work with borrowers and sell products, but they have to get to know these products and the pros and cons of each one. So, you know, by the, I remember... When we came out of the financial crisis, I would receive emails that, boy, our arms, our arms against the law now, our buy downs forbidden. You know what, 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 you know what, 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 what are we allowed to do? Well, you're allowed to do many product, many programs and products and so forth, and and you know whatever whatever's going to work for your borrowers. That's where good loan officers are going to excel, and the ones who don't want to take the time to learn about non-QM or down payment assistance programs, they might be better off going somewhere else. Well, what you touch on is, and we say this all the time, it's confidence. I, I, I have an upcoming webinar in another week or two, and I'm promoting how to be confident with non-QM. I know it comes off as second nature to either myself or my account executives, but for, for a loan officer, for an originator, it's really about confidence. And sometimes the confidence comes from, I got to figure that out, but I know there's a home for that. And you call the experts and that's where you bring in your partners, you know, like ACC, and then you do a few of those and you build more confidence. So uh, you're, you're spot on. I had this conversation with my leadership the other day, Rob. Good. Rich, was there something you wanted to add to this show? <laughs> the less I speak, the better. Yeah, it's been the, you know my general rule of thumb. So oh, I should I should read you some of the emails I've gotten about on that subject. But go on. 
Well, uh, good points all in all. The silver bullet products and the secondary market soft for good reason to them and be realistic and know the real products. And it's just because the market is very tenuous right now. And it's just no, you know, it's never know precisely where rates are going. But right now with, with them so high and Fed policy so much at the center of it, uh, inflation, it's just really hard to tell. Mortgage servicing rights, uh, Robert brought it up earlier. Another big point of conversation this week. And I think people holding MSRs feel or looking to potentially buy them feel the same way. There's a lot of just uncertainty. Should I be a buyer? Should I be a seller? I know a lot of our IMB members are saying, man, I'm cashing these in right now because they have great value, get some cash in hand, and I can still get a hold of my borrowers. Others that are looking to buy those servicing assets and leverage them in some way in the future. Rob, did you hear a lot of MSR? talk this week? Yeah, the the I did. As we all know, the the mortgage servicing rights, for those on the call who may not know, <clears throat> the the income stream, the mortgage servicing rights, the the value of that tends to increase as rates go up because loans are going to prepay at a slower speed. So you're going to have those principal and interest payments for longer. And they tend to drop in value when, when rates are dropping. And because of the market shooting up in March and April, the MSR market you know, was on fire. And we continue to see companies that are not only taking advantage of those higher prices, but also they need cash. You know, Many of these companies had good 2020s and 2021s and now have fallen on tough times. And I'll tell you, if you have a quarter or two of losses or a couple of months in a row of losses, the broker-dealer community starts looking at you pretty seriously. Your warehouse uh, lenders look at you pretty seriously, and you really start to lose some of your edge. And I'll tell you, it's a put on my capital markets here a little bit because I've seen this with uh, for a number of companies already who are now losing money. Not only that, they, their owners took money out of the company, and now they're losing money, and so they are being cut off by the the A team, you know, the Wells Fargo's and the Chases or Marahomes and whatever Penny Max, and they are having to go to the B team of investors who are out there on the on the correspondence side. Maybe they've been suspended by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and so when you, when that happens, it's like a death spiral because the capital markets person can't price to the best execution because they've been cut off by the best execution. So they are having to price. To the secondary second tier investors, and so their pricing isn't very good, and then their loan officers complain. On the mortgage servicing rights, Rich, to your question, mortgage mortgage servicing rights are being sold by some of these companies to raise money and show profits, but also some of these companies held on to mortgage servicing rights because the the investors weren't paying up for those back in the early part of the pandemic, so they decided to, to hold on to those. And now it's almost like a piggy bank where they are, where, where I'm continuing to see pools of servicing that are being sold out there. And, you know, at some point though, you run out of runway. I don't know if that's the correct analogy, but you run out of money in your piggy bank and then, and then what? So we'll see, but yeah, mortgage servicing rights is, uh, is a big deal, but the MBA and other, uh, other entities have specific conferences and specific conference calls about that topic, but it all rolls up into capital markets. 
Robert, uh, servicing rights on non-QM, I know like when I was a lender for a bank, we would do some of that stuff in portfolio. They'd value the servicing a little bit less because there's more likelihood of a uh, prepay just because a lot of non-conforming you know, cases, uh, the borrower is looking to prove their credit or improve their credit or show income. Um, I guess is the servicing value is a little bit lower on your stuff, but and also another reminder on non-QM, no loan, you're more likely to get another loan in two years on than a non-QM loan, right? Yes and no. I mean, you have the opportunity to always improve your situation. Now, again, the, the rates we were selling six months ago, people would kill for in the Fannie Freddie world. Uh, so it, it's amazing how quickly that moved. But in the non-QM, it's the bondholders. They like the yield, so they know there's not a long runway with those. So they offset that with short-term income, if you will. You know, they're, they don't stick on their portfolios or in their bonds as long as traditional Fannie Freddie, which has always been kind of the seven-year rule of, you know, the stickiness. They're, they're anywhere from two to three years. I think it'll be better. You know, and that's something that everyone should look at what was originated and coming out of COVID in 2021. So those securitizations should really perform very well and should bode well for the non-QM market. But going back to what Rob says, again, I I went to University of Maryland when it was easy to get into. So, you know, these high level finance discussions go over my head. But I know my friends who run more traditional uh, shops. This that's their last kind of line of defense are their MSRs. That's how they are surviving because volumes have come down so dramatically and they're able to survive and they'll gut it out. They'll they'll you know, they'll, uh, you know, uh, have some riffs and, and survive. But it's their last line of defense until they can get back to what I would call a more normalized mortgage operation in terms of staffing and and sales support. So, uh, Maryland, the mascot is the terrapin, right? Correct. Slow turtle. turtle. Yep. A turtle. So, as a quick aside, Rich, and I know this is totally non-mortgage banking related, but I can literally see down there a a restaurant. It's actually gone out of business called Terrapin Crossroads, I believe, Terrapin Crossing, which was owned by... Phil Lesh of the Grateful Dead and named after, I don't know if it was a song or an album. Terrapin Station was this. Terrapin Station. And that was that down there was actually Terrapin uh, Crossing or whatever, whatever it was. So anyway, it's uh, so we digress. Take it away, Rich. Well, we got just a few minutes left and uh, we put Robert's contact info in the chat for anybody that wants uh, the straight skinny on non-QM or, uh, you know, wants to look at uh, starting to do business with ACC, uh, Robert at accmortgage.com for those on the podcast. Uh, you can find him there. And uh, with just a few minutes left, would love to get uh, your guys just general thoughts on any other observations from this week. A lot of stuff being talked about, FHA, MIP reduction, cybersecurity, obviously cost cutting everything, channel strategies, the CFPB. Uh, the rate climate, a lot to dig into there. So with, with all that as a preamble, I'll go to Rob first and then Robert. Um, any other just thoughts, observations on the week at MBA secondary and three, four days of uh, mixing it up with uh, the mortgage banking's finest? I will say that the, 
the overall mood was, was good. And initially when we started to come back in person, the mood was good because you hadn't seen people for, you know, a year or two. Now, you know, you've seen people before. So, so that's kind of dissipated somewhat, but it was still nice to be there in person. But I think the mood was not jubilant, but it wasn't dismal. And I think the capital markets people that I talked to, and I had group meetings that were, uh, I, I, so, so there are different ways to, to get information from a conference like that, Rich. You can sit in the general sessions and listen to Rohit talk about the CFPB and so forth and, and what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are doing. But you can also have, I was also uh, uh, fortunate to engage in some smaller meetings with 10 or 20 people sitting around a room talking about current, current uh, topics. And the capital markets people who are out there are really earnestly trying to help their borrowers and help their companies and help their originators, you know, whether it's talking about new products and so forth. As I said earlier, non-warrantable condos or, or co-ops or, you know, uh, ag land or whatever it might be. They are generally interested in trying to bring in some of these products. And I think that's, I think that's important. I think it's important for originators to, to you know, I wish I could have taped some of these sessions, but they were, you know, top secret double probationary type sessions. But there's there's some there's some good things going on out there, and a lot going on out there. And I think overall the the mood was good and, and somewhat optimistic. And especially with older capital markets folks that have been through a few business cycles, they, you know, we'll we'll get through this. People still want to own homes, and people will still need to refinance and yeah, not everybody's going to make it to the end of 2022. There'll be plenty of mergers and acquisitions that we'll hear about, but it's, uh, you know, we continue on as an industry. It is fascinating talking to secondary uh, personnel and leaders of cap markets divisions. The older ones, it's it's more like, yeah, I've been there, done that. I definitely talked to a few younger ones that uh, looked like they'd been through the ringer uh, the last few months. So, uh, Robert, your parting thoughts on MBA secondary this week uh, as we go into the weekend here. <clears throat> so the, the analogy I, I use with a lot of people that life over the last couple of years has been like a, going to Vegas for a three-day weekend with your friends. You, you, you get there the first night. You got a lot of energy, you hit the tables and you're up big. You win money, you feel rich, you're going to the clubs, you're buying dinner. And then Friday, you may give something back, but you're still up and you're feeling good. And then Saturday, you're like, well, I got to go home to my wife. I got to, I'm going to really, pre-. and then you, you bust out and you, you may even leave with, you know, less money than what you came with. I think that's like an analogy for life in the mortgage industry. Like everyone expected every year to be like 2021. And that's just not the case. So you've got to prepare. So on the hot, when the highs are high, you got to keep level. And when the lows are low, keep level. And that's part of our 23 year track record, but you, you can't blow it all the first night and expect to keep making it all. And I think a lot of people are shell shocked. And you'd be surprised with the amount of gray hair that there, Rich, you, you still have good, you know, color in your hair. You, you've been through this before. And, and that's what's 
disappointing for a lot of these companies that they didn't prepare for this and you know that that they're kind of shocked and taken aback and I, I don't know why it's happened so many times in my almost 30 year career that you know it shouldn't shock anybody so treat life like a Vegas weekend be smart don't bet over your head and when you win <laughs> enjoy it and, you know leave like leave right, leave with something nice Robert you clearly want to put yourself into a Katy Perry song right <laughs> Vegas analogy, the, the best description of the last three years of the mortgage industry uh, I've heard yet. That uh, uh, very, very apropos and uh, well done, Robert. So, but, uh, and thanks again, Robert, for uh, being a great partner at TMC. Congrats on 23 years of doing nothing but non-QM and uh, doing it the right way. And uh, as always, love having you on the show. You always, always add a lot to it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's great uh, connecting with you guys. Absolutely. And Rob, as always, uh, great seeing you. Great seeing you in person this week. Uh, I had you as the first one to jump in the pool at the TMC party. I lost a couple bucks there, but, uh, you know, it uh, was great to see you. And uh, uh, as always, uh, never a dull moment in the mortgage industry. There you go. And uh, thanks again to all of our listeners, viewers. Um, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on podcast where the majority of you listen. And you can find us here live on Zoom every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern with the rundown with Robin Rich. Until next Friday, have a great weekend and next week, everyone. Take care. Bye, Robert. Bye, Rob. Bye-bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.